0: Father, thank you for fathers. Thank you for uh, the people, the men that you've put in our lives, that have been a father figure to us. Those the many men of Bible Baptist Church, especially down through the years, Father, we're so grateful for godly role models, for men that have walked with you. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless dads today. And uh, thank you, Lord, for if we, if we are blessed, privileged to be called dads, uh, we don't. I don't take that for granted, Father. Um, It is an overwhelming, um, humbling thing to be called a father, to have children. And I pray, Father, that you bless the children of Bible Baptist Church and the young people that have grown up in this ministry over the last three decades. And, Lord, I pray that that they would see Christ in us and see uh, a Savior that is worthy of their dedication, that is worthy of their lives, uh, worthy of service. And uh, Lord, we ask your blessing now on the scriptures. We pray for, um, we pray for Ethan Ellis, Lord, that you just please touch him and heal his body and uh, encourage his family, encourage his heart, uh, that uh, they would find you sufficient in these times and that you would grant him recovery. Pray for Serena. Thank you for her improvement, uh, for her being out pray again for john anderson and and amelia pray for lana and gore and those still recovering from uh, procedures from a while back we just lift all the people up to you thank you lord that nareem was here today and pray she's feeling better from the covid and uh, we ask your blessing now father Uh, we we commit this service to you and pray pray you bless the word we thank you in jesus name amen First John chapter 5, tonight we look at verses 9 and 10. As we continue, the theme that John brought up and began talking about uh, in verse 6 is the, the, this term witness, which is actually used in the Greek even more times than it would appear uh, in our English. There are several terms that are the translation of the same word. And so John is really emphasizing this. So let's just jump right into verses 9 and 10. John says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. So that that first verse, we learn of the response. Once we understand what a witness is, uh, we will see uh, what we're talking about. What are we witnesses of? and And then we see the criteria to be a witness. Verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And we're going to continue this very theme as we go into verses eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen next week. Um, this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. This life is in his Son. So we conti- we begin with this theme right now. And so we are... Uh, talking about the witness. So what is a witness? Witness is a term that has been used for many, many years, goes back in Old English and many other languages. The idea of a a witness is someone that can attest to something they have observed. A witness is someone that experiences something, sees something, uh, is a participant or present when an event happens. Uh, in fact, uh, one one dictionary says, First part of a witness's role is observation. You witness the accident. The second part is telling someone about it, bearing witness. In court, you can be a witness for the defense or the prosecution. You can also witness a legal document, like a will, or a wedding conducted by the Justice of the Peace. So the witness is someone that is seen something, directly, themselves, and then bears witness, repeats it. Uh, That would be contrasted with what's called hearsay evidence, which is not what you've witnessed, but it's what someone else told you. And uh, in Black's Law Dictionary, uh, it tells us that um, hearsay evidence is generally inadmissible in court. So uh, it's so much better for you and I to witness something than to just hear about it. By the way, um, I I like that statement, and that's why I've quoted it many years ago. Black's Law Dictionary, hearsay evidence, is not something that someone knows firsthand, but they have heard it said. And hearsay evidence is generally inadmissible in a court of law. And I would add, hearsay evidence should also be generally inadmissible in a local church when we're talking about one another, right? Right? It doesn't happen that way too many times, sadly. And I'm talking about gossip, which is what hearsay is, right? Anyway, back up. Let's talk about a witness, and a witness is someone that sees something. And I mentioned to you just in John chapter nine, or John chapter five, verses nine through eleven, the word "witness" I believe is used seven times. uh, But there's more use. It's the Greek word that's translated "witness" is also translated in verse nine as with the word "testify," twice. In the word, in uh, verses ten through eleven, in the word record, this is the record that God has given to us. And then um, verse one John one two uses this: "Show unto you uh, that which you have heard." You've heard that statement being said many times. That's the same idea. That's a witness. That which we have heard and seen, declare we unto you. That's what a witness does, and that's what John does. Uh, and then one John four five uses the phrase "they speak they of," all this same idea of being a witness. So let's jump in. Look at verse 9 because we learned first the idea of um, with a witness. There is first what's given. In verse 9 it says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So let's look at the first phrase. If we receive the witness of men. Remember when you see the word if, that's a conditional statement. And in the English, that's all you know. It's a conditional statement if but as as we've told you and, and we shared many times that in the greek you can find out what kind of a conditional statement it is based on just a few factors so in other words there are certain you know first class condition it's actually four maybe even five but i remember clearly four that are used in the new testament there might be a fifth one in greek but um There's a first-class condition, a second-class condition, a third-class condition, a fourth-class condition, and they all have different uh, percentages of, of, you know, in other words, the thing is the first-class condition is is actually a given where you could put the word since. You know, a lot of times, sometimes you'll use the word if. Well, if you did that, in other words, since you did that, that's the first-class condition. That's the one that's used here. So literally the idea is, he is, John is saying, you accept the witness of men. You accept human testimony. And since you accept the testimony of men, human witness, human testimony, the witness of God is greater. So let's back up for that. What is he saying? He's talking to people, and we would be included in this, who on a continual basis, we accept... People's testimony, human testimony, human, you know, human source information all the time without even realizing it. Do you know that you do that? I assume. I think I know many of you pretty well. Imagine someone that didn't do that. Imagine someone that, that questioned everything. They wake up in the morning. KYW. I don't know how many of you listen to news radio, KYW. Uh, you turn on the radio. And they say, today is June 19th. And you wake up this morning and you hear that and you say, it's, I am certain it's not June 19th. Probably June 20th, maybe even May 3rd. I don't believe that. Then... You hear the weather forecast. say, today's going to be a nice day, a little cool. And uh, and you say, that's unlikely. I I don't believe that. It's probably going to rain today. I think they're lying. And then you go downstairs, pull out a box. On it, it says Wheaties. You say, that's a big fat lie. Probably Lucky Charms in there. I don't believe there's Wheaties in there. Then you get in the car, and your gas tank says full, and you look at that and say, great, now i got to get gas. Because that's probably not true either. I mean, can you imagine? Think of all these things during the day that we do that we, you know, the, the testimony of men, and we receive it without question. We don't doubt it. We take their word for it. We look at our watch. We look at the phone at what time it is. And we don't spend time thinking, I wonder if that's true. We used to. You know more when it was remember that you know and you're like who knows if that's true like these things up here i'm that i question but think of how often we take human testimony for granted without a question without a problem and yet the point is the witness of god is greater now there are people that are skeptics that will question uh, even human things but especially they will question god and uh, there have been skeptics down through the ages we we, we looked at some of the going you know, to share one or two that i had shared recently in in um, a message on archaeology uh, two points that that just came to my mind uh, that i got the information again uh, in the bible the bible mentions the man herod quite a lot especially in the gospels and you know that you know the and by the way, let me back up here. The testimony of the scriptures. When you just look at the scriptural record, um, you know it's it has been compared. You know there have been people out there that have shown okay, this the work of um, this ancient writer, the Iliad or something. You know that there's X number of copies of this work, and it's usually like twenty or thirty, and people don't question it, and yet. There's literally tens of... There's thousands of records of Scripture, but the point that we, that's not often made in that is usually, the, the, like the Iliad or whatever those ones are, um, one was a study, I forget, one was a, a record on war, but understand that those small works are talking about were from one source at one time in history written in one place. The Scriptures are so much broader because the Scripture's not just one author at one place and one time, the scripture scripture scriptures composed from all over the world in different parts by different writers at different time in history. And you've got thousands upon thousands, not dozens, not even hundreds. You've got thousands upon thousands of, of manuscripts from all these different places that testify the legitimacy of the Bible as, yes, a historical record, but even a supernatural record. And there will still be people that will, will doubt it, despite its witness. And so one example, there's so many, but one that comes to mind is Herod. Because for a long time, in fact, up until 1993, there was no external evidence, like no archaeological find, uh, no other outside source of Scripture, from Scripture, that mentioned Herod. And uh, one, of, one of America's founding fathers, the least religious, the one that would actually mock Christianity, Thomas Paine, who, no fan of Christianity, and he wrote an extensive criticism of the Bible, mocking it, rejecting it. And one of the, one of the many things he attacked was Herod. You know, As proof, you believe the Bible? There's mention of this guy named Herod, there's no evidence and in fact he said this he was so sure that there was that Herod did not exist he said in his work he said there could be no such person as a king herod because the jews in their country were then under the dominion of the roman emperors who governed then by tetrarchs or governors now he he long passed away but in 1993 or excuse me no, not nineteen ninety three is the next one I'm going to share with you. But it was it was many years a little before nineteen ninety-three where they uncovered coins in an archaeological dig that had Herod's Herod's inscription on it. And it was the first time. It's a relatively new. Not it was before nineteen ninety three. That's the other one I'm gonna mention, but and so so that's like, okay, there is a person named Herod. Take that one off of the list. If you're gonna slam the Bible and you're gonna to try to prove that there's no external evidence, then we got to take that off the table. Well, what about people like Thomas Paine and all those people that use that lack of evidence to slam the Bible? They didn't believe the testimony of Scripture. The next one was King David. And that's when... other. Now, we all know, I mean, Scripture is very clear, the biblical record is very clear that there was a king named David, king of Israel, uh, father of Solomon. But up until 1993 there was um no archaeological proof they hadn't uncovered anything which is amazing you know that they didn't ever uncover anything and then in 1993 at an ancient mound called Tel Dan tel is a elevated place and uh in north of Israel they found they dug up a wood a chunk of a uh, wood that was translated House of David. And as amazing as that is, now you and I, we're not surprised by that. We're not like, oh, whoo, David really existed. I was beginning to doubt there. No, we believe the Bible. A priori, we believe go- before we go in, like David, we like, like David who said, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. David didn't have an exhaustive knowledge of God's word. He went in believing that, you know what, if it's a precept of God, I believe it ahead of time and that's the way we are. I never had a problem, uh, you know, this came out in 1993, we had already been at the church for a year. I never struggled in my Christianity thinking, oh man, you know, maybe the Bible's not true because what if David really didn't exist? Wow. Boy, that would be egg in our face. We would have never started a church if I didn't rely on the record. And if I was doubting that there was a David, then we could doubt everything else. But I never doubted it. So did 1993, that archaeological find of that statement house of David, did that like all of a sudden booster my faith? No, I believe the Bible already. Now for those skeptics out there who you know want to use that to slam the bible by the way i really doubt you know if they're not going to believe the bible they're not going to believe the bible and you can you can uncover stuff and i didn't i've not read anywhere where um, the american atheist association closed in 1993 because they found that evidence and everyone's like ah oh! Who would have thought, okay, we're not atheists anymore. That doesn't happen, you know. Uh, If they can't use David, they're going to find something else. Because the problem is in the hearts. So, in verse 9, If we receive the witness of, of men, in other words, since you and I accept human testimony, then the witness of God is greater. This is the witness of God, which he had testified Of his son. He that believeth on the son of God. Hath the witness. In his self. So the challenge. In fact this. This really is an echo of. um, Of Jesus Christ's argument to the Pharisees. He said to them in John chapter 8 verse 17. It is also written in your law. That the testimony of two men is true. And Jesus Christ and the and John often talked about the witness, and he's talking about evidence. John chapter 3 and verse 11. Jesus I Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. He was laid that on them. He said, We have testified. There's evidence. We are clearly testifying of something. And you've rejected it. John chapter 3 and verse 32. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. So let's move to their criteria now as we go uh, through this. We see in verse 10, the evidence is there. And there's going to be people that receive it. They have the witness in themselves. There's going to be people that reject it. Look at verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. That's the person who receives. Let's talk about that for a minute. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. It's interesting. One writer pointed out that... uh, this, this reference right here that we're looking at is the first time in this epistle of 1 John that we have the full phrase, to believe on. Of which, in John's Gospel, he uses that phrase almost 40 times. And it's used 10 other times in other scriptures. But this is the very first time, to believe on. Uh, and um, it expresses the strongest... Confidence. So the difference is this: to believe a person really doesn't need to mean more than anything more than than simply believing what they say. So when you believe someone, you're usually talking about a particular statement they say, and you're judging that statement. I, I believe that, or I'm not sure I believe that. But when you say to believe someone, that's what you're saying. But when you believe on someone, it means you have you're putting. You have your utmost full trust in that person's character. So we're going beyond just one or two statements. We are believing on someone. We believe in their character. Therefore, whatever comes out, you're saying, I-, "I believe that." And that's the phrase that John uses. That he's used many times in the Gospel of John. It's the first time, and he's used the idea of believe, but this is the first time where he uses that phrase to believe on. This morning in our Bible study, I had shared uh, uh, a part of my wife's testimony about a man, and then we got talking about it after. That's why I'm bringing it up again. Uh, There was a man. In fact, I always, always, whenever I share a real-life situation, I always find out what really happened after. You know, I usually get, talk about being a witness, I usually get one or two things wrong. And so I shared this morning in our Bible study that my wife uh, worked at a place where another guy worked that she could She knew there was something different about him. You remember that? All right, she actually did not work there. She visited there. He worked there. Okay, so that's to set the record straight. But as we were talking about him, since since I brought him up, and I mentioned this morning, this was someone that had a, a testimony where she knew there's something different about this guy. I want what he has. And she would really try to get around him just thinking maybe it would rub off or that he would tell her what it is. And he never did. And then when she got saved and then he found out, he was like, yes, I've been praying. And initially she felt like saying, I don't think she'd do it. Well, then why didn't you tell me if you're all excited? But today, as we're reflecting about, on that, she was talking about, I remember him. and And it was convicting to her because he had the joy of the Lord. He had such a, a, wonderful testimony. There was a contentment, and, she was, and today she was saying, you know, just it was so convicting to her that someone could have a testimony that just be without even saying anything. She knew he was a Christian, and so I started thinking on that for a while, and I'm and, and of course I'm running with it. And I'm thinking, okay, how far can you take that? And then I start thinking. I don't know if you think this way too. I'm like, okay, I wonder if he really got saved. Like, I wonder if he's still professing a good profession. actually looked for him on Facebook. Might have found him. Uh, but then I start thinking that, because, you know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We talk about, you know, someone being a testimony and, and, and all that. But um, we have to be careful that we don't mistake someone's temperament for their testimony. Because grumpy people get saved too. and But their demonstration of the joy of the Lord isn't going to be what someone else's is. And we have to keep that in mind. You know, we don't always know, you know, just because everyone's different and all. That, you know, you might have someone that never cracks a smile. And hardly says a word. But they don't complain one day, and that is their expression of the joy of the Lord. You're like, wow, that person is, if, you know, they're just bubbling over comparatively. You understand that. It's important that we keep that in mind. Again, you cannot mistake someone's temperament for their testimony. I was thinking about this because we do that. And, and I thought about the word witness And the example that was given earlier was you may witness an accident. That's the first step. You observe something. And then the second one is that you testify of it. So, here's someone observes. Somebody witnesses an accident. Okay? So, can we look at someone and just tell just by looking at them, that they witnessed an accident. Maybe, maybe, what would someone look like who had witnessed an accident? Maybe something like this. And so therefore, they walk around all day, and you you look at them and you go, there's someone that's witnessed an accident, I guarantee you. I know they witnessed an accident. You go up to them and, hey, you witness an accident? Yeah. Okay. But is that the way they look all the time? No. You know, you cannot tell. Now, maybe when they're testifying and they get in that courtroom and they sit on the chair and they bring up the events, then they might go like that. But you're not going to be able to tell that somebody's, you know, it doesn't mean they're not a witness to something. If they don't show that continual 24/7 response of having been a witness to an accident, and the same, I know it's a lame illustration, but to get the idea is that um, you know again, we don't want to mistake someone's temperament. Uh, because then what we do is, and remember what Paul said, we dare not compare our, we dare not uh, make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with those that commend themselves. For they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves, remember, are not wise. And and yet we do it. I mean, it's, it is human tendency. Take two Christians who are both born again and you might tend to look at one and say, now that person has the joy of the Lord because they're always smiling. And we may mistake the temperament for the testimony. And, and so I want you to remember that. I just want you to remember the picture of someone that's seen an accident, okay? And realize that, you know, that's not going to be the way they look all the time. In fact, if you do see someone that's going around like that, you may wanna, you know, let's kind of question and see what's going on. Anyway, so that's the person who receives. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself, and now we see the person that rejects. And listen to the strong terminology that John uses. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. This is not just saying you've got witnesses and then you've got people that aren't witnesses. No, these are saying that God has given his record and there's people that are going to believe it and there's going to be people that reject the testimony. And he's not letting them off the hook he says when you do that you're calling God a liar Wow. you know this reminds me of John chapter 3 in fact let me turn there real quickly in John chapter 3 I remind you that in verse 16 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God's purpose in sending his Son wasn't to condemn someone, it was to save people. Verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned. That's the person that has the witness in themselves. They believe the record. But then, it says, He that believeth not is condemned already, Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the person then. Now we go back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. What an amazing, what a very powerful statement. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Spurgeon said this about this verse. He said the great sin of not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is often spoken of very lightly and in a very trifling spirit as though it were scarcely any sin at all. Yet according to my text and indeed according to the whole tenor of scripture unbelief is the giving of God the lie and what can be worse? So listen to what Spurgeon goes on because he addresses different situations. He says, What if someone says, or what if someone says, Well, I want to believe, but I can't? His response, Hearken, O unbeliever, you have said, I cannot believe, but it would be more honest if you said, I will not believe. The mischief lies there. Now, he's sitting straight between the eyes because he's bringing out this hard point of what John says. He says, The mischief lies there. Your unbelief is your unbelief is your fault, not your misfortune. It is a disease, but it is also a crime. It is a terrible source of misery to you, but it is justly so, for it is an atro- atrocious offense against the God of Truth. What if one says, "Well, I'm trying to believe, and I'll keep on trying"? Spurgeon speaks to the heart here. He says. Did I not hear someone say, ah, sir, I have been trying to believe for years. Terrible words, Spurgeon says. They make the case still worse. And this this is what hit it to me. He says, imagine that after I had made a statement, a man should declare that he did not believe me. In fact, he could not believe me, though he would like to do so. He said, I should feel aggrieved, certainly, but it would make matters worse if he added, in fact, I have been for years trying to believe you, and I cannot do it. He goes, what does he mean by that? What can he mean but that I am so incorrigibly false and such a confirmed liar that he, doesn't, that he would like to give me some credit, he really cannot do it. Do, doesn't that, I mean, that's because that's, isn't that what John's saying? And imagine that. I, I love that. That helped me so much. Because when someone says, I really want to believe, but I can't believe, imagine if they said that about you. You know, I really want to believe what you said. I just, I can't bring myself to believe it. What are they saying about you? Oh, because that's what God says they're saying about him. Spurgeon goes on. Now, a man who says, I've been trying to believe in God, in reality says just, just that with regard to the Most High. To talk about trying to believe is a mere pretense. But whether pretense or no, let me remind you that there is no text in the Bible which says try and believe. But it does say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He has proved it by His miracles. He died to save sinners, therefore trust Him. He deserves implicit trust and childlike confidence. Will you refuse Him these then you have maligned his character and given him the lie. So if you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to pick up with this next week, because there's only two kinds of people according to Scriptures. Those who believe, and they have the testimony, the witness in themselves, and those who do not believe. And usually those who do not believe want to give it the best spin possible, but God clears all that away and says, "You're calling me a liar." That's what He says. So where do you line? Where do you line up on the spectrum of this this challenge? Do you believe in the sun so that you have the witness in yourself, or have you rejected it? And maybe you've sugar it. Maybe you've convinced yourself that, you know, that you you really would believe if there was enough evidence. Please realize you're you're slandering the god of heaven i want to close uh, as i think of the testimony is there the evidence is there and I, i've been very mindful as i've mentioned from the pulpit many times there have been so many people that have gone through these doors over the last 30 years so many people and and unfortunately there's too many of them That have not gone on for God. And apparently some that have rejected the testimony that they grew up hearing. And that grieves me. And I I saw a post the other day. I want to read this from a young man. Now this man has gotten a doctor's degree. And he's technically a doctor. But he's still a kid in my mind. But a very, very wise kid. Um, Listen to what he said. And I, I totally concur. I think he's in his 30s, maybe. Listen to what he said. He said, I am burdened for many of my friends who have left the faith altogether or abandoned sound doctrine over the last few years. He says, I fear when some say they are leaving fundamentalism, they left the fundamentals too. If we're all honest, we've all struggled with what we believe at times. Part of being a Christ follower involves investigating the truth and wrestling it down. He says, my faith has certainly been tested over the last six years, both spiritually and academically. Then he makes a statement. He says, but as I reflect on my upbringing and education, I've never been so grateful as I am today for the investment of sound doctrine that I was given. He said, my generation almost has to be different just to be different from the older generation. I fear... My generation has made anyone deplorable that has a tradition or conservative view of Christianity. I think that's true. I appreciate appreciated him saying this. You know, he feels that some say when they're leaving fundamentalism that they leave the fundamentals too, and um, and then he expressed at the very end how grateful he was for those that taught him, and, and maybe he did not appreciate them. But I want to remind you, folks, the challenge for us is not, the challenge for us is, what are we doing with Jesus Christ? We receive the witness. God's laid it out. We're going to talk about it more next week. God has given us a record. That's the testimony. That's what he's testifying. And we either believe, we have the Son, or we don't. And folks, that, folks, therein lies the difference between heaven and in hell that's how serious it is i trust i pray i beg that you have believed on jesus christ let's pray father thank you for your word help us help us as we try to be a witness as we communicate these things but father help us to realize that what is at stake is not our mustard seed of faith uh, which is about as scrony as you can get sometimes. But really, Father, the issue is your integrity. And I pray, Father, that we would realize that. And during those times when we may doubt you, uh, Lord, and those that do doubt you, those that have not come to faith, I pray that they would understand this is not simply a matter of pursuing something further. If they have rejected you, uh, they are rejecting Uh, your witness, your testimony, and, and that this is offensive to you. May they see that. May they repent of it. And may they become genuinely saved, born again. And Father, we'll thank you for it. We pray for your blessing now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand.